I spent a while walking through the trees, paying close attention to the ways they twisted upwards, reaching to the sky like a choir of praise to the sun as it beams light, penetrating the canopy, guiding my way. Every so often I could feel residual pain from when I had fallen onto my back, but it wasn't enough to slow me down. It took almost two hours, but I was able to find my way back to the tower without any issues. I just paid attention to where the sun was in the sky and used it to keep my path straight despite the forest floor's best efforts to turn me around. Something I could not help but notice though, as I walked back to the tower, I noticed more and more of the trees were pulled into similar shapes as the ones I had fallen through. They weren't all obvious at first, but when I knew what to look for, they started appearing everywhere. So much so, that it was any wonder that I had never noticed them before. Two trees in close proximity merging branches. It's a forest. Obviously, branches from one tree will reach over to another. But these trees seemed purposeful, like their branches had been guided into place forming archways. I could not help but think of how terrifying it would be to step through one of those archways and just be somewhere else. Somewhere you had no knowledge of and your bearings were just gone. The thought spurred something in my mind. I couldn't remember it right then and there, but it was something I had heard before. Bizarre missing cases that take place in wooded areas. There is a name associated with it, but I could not put my finger on it. My head was too preoccupied trying to figure out my own circumstances. It took some time, and some cautious footwork to maneuver around the archways, but eventually, I made it to the watchtower. I had never been more thankful that my particular tower was one with running water. I stood in my shower, washing away the sweat and dirt I had accumulated throughout the night's events and morning walk. I could feel the rough skin of my hands as I pushed the water away from my face. There was a burning sensation that lingered in my palms, like I had touched a hot pan. I don't remember being close enough to the fire that it was able to burn me. I felt the heat, sure, but it was not able to warp my skin. Turning the water off, I could feel the vapor enter my lungs with every breath. I had forgotten to leave the window open to let the steam out. Having my lungs fill with that heat brought me back to the previous night. I knew eventually I was going to have to sit down and at least attempt to process what I had seen, but I wanted to push it off for as long as I could. I needed to be vigilant for the sake of the trees. Remembering that somewhere in the woods my rifle was laying loaded on the dirt unsettled me, but I could not go retrieve it until it got darker again. Instead, I climbed up the metal stairs I felt like I hadn't seen in weeks. Pulling the door open, I walked into my tower. The place felt unusual, like it wasn't mine. I shook off the nerves and sat down. I hadn't slept since the night before and the exhaustion was getting to me. Trying my best to keep my eyes open, I scanned the horizon for any telltale signs of brewing danger. I could hear my chest raising and lowering as I struggled to keep my posture upright. Fingers tapping against the side of my face, chin resting on my palm. I could feel my head becoming heavy. The more I fought it, the more the trees out of my windows started to look like one singular mass like I was guarding one massive mile-wide stump as opposed to the entire forest my waning vision rested over. 
As that vision started failing me, and I felt the grasp of slumber rushing throughout my body, I could see out the window. A small thin vein of smoke rising from the trees. The gray ribbon was nearly impossible to make out with my eyesight, so close to failing me. But nevertheless, I saw it. My mind registered it just as my eyes became too heavy and I was unable to open them again. My world was black. I couldn't tell you how long it was like that. I felt as though as I was in some great waiting room, shifting between sleep and dream. In that dark, I could feel on my cheeks a tingling, a sensation that grew stronger and stronger until it was a bright searing on my face. Finally, I was able to open my eyes and for a moment I thought the sunset had besieged my tower. Bright glows of amber and mustard filled the interior of the tower. Each breath as I struggled awake was full of heat. I worked in fast food restaurants way back when I was a teen. I remember the feeling of leaning over a hot stove all day. The way it'll feel like your skin is sizzling. I tried to kick my consciousness into overdrive, but my body was still sluggish and struggling to wake back up. It wasn't until I noticed that I wasn't alone in the tower that adrenaline truly kicked in and my senses began returning to me. My focus returned to me, and I learned of my naive assumption about the sunset. The view in front of me was distorted by waves of heat rising all around me. The small wisp had matured into a raging inferno. Out of my window, I could see flames licking the sky, failing to spare any inch of green. Embers rose above the flames being carried along by thick columns of dark smoke. It was a fire that stretched further than I could even see. There wasn't a hint of untouched forest, only a sea of orange and yellow. And the man watching it all, the figure standing a few feet in front of me, shadowed by the glow of flames. I could tell his back was turned to me. He watched the flames like a captain observes the sea. My mouth opened. I tried to speak, but as I did, I could see the embers spilling out of my mouth instead of the intended questioning. The figure started to shift. Still hidden in silhouette, he turned to me and brought a finger up to his face, presumably to offer me a shushing motion, as if I was interrupting something. His eyes were about the only thing I could make out, their gloss reflecting the ambers of the fire around us. This is all for you. His words were shaky. They mimicked the way my vision was distorted by the heat. He looked back to the fire, and I could see in the distance a wave rushing towards us. The man raised his arms, stretching his fingertips out to the side, ready to embrace the flames. His body shook under the veil of heat as we both watched the stretched pillar of flames rushing toward us. The fire engulfed the already raging flames and plundered the pillars of smoke. I could see how the flame rose into the air, but I could feel just how dwarfed I was by its presence. I felt insignificant. Cleanse us. I heard the man whisper as the flames reached the cabin and shattered through the glass windows. Soon the man's body vanished behind the wall of fire, and I heard the fire as it prepared to consume me as well. It sounded like a wild beast, untamed as it roared. As it reached me and my body, it jerked me off the chair, sending me onto the floor. I heard some of those loose things in my cabin rattle as it made impact. I tried to shield myself from the flames until realizing how cool the metal underneath me felt. Realizing the cabin I was in, 
had become dark, not by flames, but by twilight. I slowly stood up from the floor, looking around, and I observed that night had fallen upon the forest, etched the vibrant greens into a somber and muted face. My breathing was still heavy, but I managed to get it under control with each passing breath. Remembering the small silk of smoke I had seen before passing out, I rushed over to the window. There was a small patch of trees that I could tell had been burned. I hadn't had the time to call in that fire, though. I considered the possibility that it just put itself out. I mean, that's not entirely unheard of. There are other towers, sure, but they are far enough away that they would not be able to see such a small trail of smoke. Though my ability to process strange happenings was starting to harden. In any case, the fire was put out and I was able to be thankful that my lack of rest didn't burn the whole place down. Though, I made a note to be more careful of my sleep schedule. Sitting in my chair, I tried to radio to the nearest tower but received no response when doing so. Assuming the others were likely sleeping, then, as I considered my next move, a glint of light caused me to wince when it hit my eye. I almost cursed. Two nights prior, sources of light had led me to unsettling discoveries. I looked in the direction of the light, and it was fairly far away, but I could see where it was coming from. I let my eyes adjust to the darkness to try and get a better look of what was causing the light. It hung over the trees, and slowly, I was able to make out the shape of a structure. It was visible just above the tree line. Confusion nestled in my mind as I was pretty sure I would remember if I was able to see one with my naked eye. But sure enough, there one was. Another watchtower. With something signaling to me. It was a long walk, but I took a good look at where the tower was. And an idea settled in. As reckless as it was. After a while of silently walking through the trees, I managed to find it. Though it was slightly covered by the brush... Bending over, I wrapped my fingers around the rifle I dropped last night, and upon looking up, I could see a familiar set of trees beckoning my curiosity. I knew the area well enough, though I couldn't see the tower earlier. I knew its direction, and if the trees were consistent, then I'd be able to make it with pretty good time. I also knew a shortcut, so why not? With a heavy breath, I stepped through the archway crafted of bark. As I did... I could feel my sense of direction and balance kilter for a moment before getting solid footing again. Sure enough, it worked. I had traveled a large distance and only a few steps. I had returned to the cliff that rattled my back the previous night. In my head, I made a note to mark that tree shortcut of my map in the tower when I got back. But quickly, I was reminded of the problem at hand as the glint of light once again located me. Turning to face its source, I saw the other tower in the distance looming over me completely shrouded by dark sky behind it. Only the glint light made it stand out. It still took me a while to get close to the base of the tower, but a considerably less amount of time than it would have if I didn't take the shortcut. As I approached the tower, I picked up on the smell of battery acid and iron. Approaching the chain-link fence that surrounded the tower, I heard a squishing under my boots. Pointing my flashlight down revealed that the dirt beneath me had been saturated, though it should have been dried out by then. For a moment, 
My mind flashed to those kids pouring gasoline on themselves, but the scent in the air didn't match that scene. This time, I was not willing to take any chances and flip the safety off of the rifle. I didn't like the shade of red the dirt had taken on, thanks to the liquid. A liquid that continued to infiltrate the ground as I stepped closer to the tower. The air was still and filthy with the battery acid smell. Still, I braved the steps of the tower. I wanted to call out, hoping that someone was up there. That was just like me, but... My words caught like embers in my throat. Slowly, I ascended the stairs keeping an ear out for any whining metal that could indicate movement above me. I kept my rifle at the ready. It made taking my steps feel awkward, but I took it slow and refused to be reckless. Looking down at the steps, I could see that there were streaks of red running up alongside of them, all the way to the top of the cabin. Through the window... Despite how dark the night had become, I could see someone was in there. They stood, looking out the window in the direction of my watchtower, like they had never seen me leave. Cautiously, I twisted the handle and pushed the door open to the cabin. I audibly made my presence known, and let them know that I was brandishing a firearm. I was still fumbling with my light, as I asked the man if everything was okay inquiring if he was the one who had caught the fire from earlier. Trying to steady my gun, the flashlight proved difficult and the light dropped from my hand smacking against the floor. It was so much louder than I was comfortable with and I apologized bending down to get it. As I grabbed it, I heard a noise that wasn't my own. It was a bead of liquid smacking against metal. I look up at the man slowly and a sinking feeling started to invade my chest. Afforded by the moonlight, I could see the man's posture. The way he stood there with his arms held out to the side like he was preparing to embrace a great wave of flames. I rested my light on him, revealing all of the details to me. The dripping sound continued as I stood in awe, feeling like my shoes have soldered to the floor, like my bones were made of marble. His clothing was tattered and ripped, singed on the edges. I could see dark spots where his skin had turned to ash. I could see the several cords that suspended his body in the air to keep his vigilant watch going after death. I stepped closer, looking at the ropes that held his arms out, looking at the small running threads of red that soaked his clothes and dripped onto the floor. Rounding to get a good look at the front of him, it was hard to make anything out. His skin and clothing were scorched, it was any wonder that his body was being held together at all. Thanks to the nature of the ropes and the amount of slack they had, his body was able to move slightly, just enough to allow the moonlight to reflect off the dog tags hanging around his neck. Every so often the light would catch just right and it would become a bright light enough to be seen through the canvas of darkness. For the life of me, as I stood there, I couldn't recall that tower ever being there. I would remember any tower being so close, much less a manned one. I did not recognize the name on the dog tags either. I had known my co-workers that I shared shifts with pretty well. Though volunteers do come and go, Richard L. Bennings, from what I could tell from the tags, was not somebody I ever knew. He was a rather old soul, probably just looking for a peaceful retirement. I couldn't help but feel a longing of sorrow for him. Strange, though, 
how badly his body had been burned and yet the surrounding cabin was unaffected. It was messy, sure. It looked like there was a struggle but nothing had been burned. There was something I recognized in the mix of it all though. Richard was about halfway through the book on the desk behind him. It was a phrase I had been trying to remember since last night. My fingers ran over the raised letter of the book, missing 411. That's what I had been trying to recall. I'm sure there's morals against pillaging from a dead man, but I figured I ought to finish the thing for him. I needed to get out of there. Whatever happened, the longer I was there, the more trouble I was going to cause for myself and others. I could figure things out if I could just get one more night to mull things over. I know that Richard didn't do that to himself. Something happened outside that tower, and somehow he made it to the top. Whether he made it up there or he was dragged, I considered the possibility that it could be those creatures I warded off, but I quickly discovered that wasn't the case. I started leaving when my flashlight briefly pressed against the large map on his wall. Sections of the map were burned, etching words over the layout of the forest. A message had been left. I stood for a while, longer than I should have, honestly, breathing in Richard's remains while the shaky voice repeated in my head, searing into my thoughts. 